Great. Uh, we're just going to take a time to just pray as a church a little more about, we call this the pastoral prayer, just to really pray uh, for, for the city, pray for the things that are also on God's heart. And so even though I'll be leading us you know, out loud, just feel free to be praying in your own hearts, to amen to what I'm saying, um, to be praying under your own breath for what God is, is burdening you with. All right, so let's just take a time to, to really say, God, we can't do any of this without you. All right, let's pray. Father, we, we just confess our need for you. And even this week, this morning, just the ease in which we are distracted, God, by um, honestly trivial things at the end of the day, things that do it with our own comfort and our own pleasure, God. But this morning, we just want to come and, and, and look at you again, God. What is on your heart? Who do you care about, God? And we know you love this world. You love the world so much that you sent your son to die for it, God. And you love this city. And God, Lord, we just, we just humble ourselves before you this morning and ask you uh, to just change our city, God. We cry, how long, O oh Lord, until you come back in glory, God. But in the meantime, we know, Lord, that you are in the process of making something new in this city, God. So this morning, we pray over the divisions. We pray over the hurts. We pray over the fear. We pray over the anger, God, that is gripping our city right now. Lord, we pray over the elections that are happening as we speak right now. We pray for every polling station. We pray for all the people who are serving and volunteering. We pray for every candidate, God, no matter whether we agree with them or not, whether we're voting for them or not, we pray for them, God, because they were made in your image, Lord Jesus. We pray for everyone who will be voting, God. Would you just keep them safe? We pray for the police, Lord, who will be, who will be watching over the, the polling stations. Would you guide them, Lord? Would you watch over them, God? Lord, we need you in this time. We need you in all times, God, but right now, Lord, we just cry out to you on behalf of our city, Lord. Lord, would this day just be a day where your people shine, even as they vote, as they talk to their friends, would they point, would they point them to the greatest hope that we have, eternity with you, hope, joy, eternal joy, adoption by the King of Kings. God, we give our city to you. And Father, we also just continue to pray for all the marginalized. In this time of political and social unrest, God, we also just, Lord, help us not to lose sight of those who are, are really just hidden, the, the minorities, the ethnic minorities. We talked about some today, but there's also the Nepali community, the South Asian community in Hong Kong, the refugees and asylum seekers, Lord those who are, who are trapped in red light districts all over Hong Kong. Young single moms, teen moms who are, who are just struggling to make ends meet and to take care of their, their infants, God. We need you, Lord. We need you to open our eyes to them. And Lord, would you just watch over them? Would you continue to minister to them supernaturally? Would your Holy Spirit just speak to them to know, to let them know that they are loved? They are known. 
by their creator, God. And Lord, use us as your people, as your hands and your feet, to speak and to, to touch, Lord, to hold onto those who are hurting and who are broken, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite the scripture readers to come up to do our scripture reading and lead us in that. The scripture reading comes from Revelation and Deuteronomy. Please follow along in your bulletins or on the screen. From Revelation 7, we read, After this, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the Lord, uh, before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm bronzes in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sit on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to be our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothes and white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And from Deuteronomy 10, we read, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heavens of heavens, the earth with all that it is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples, as you are this day, Circumcise, therefore, the foreskins of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. This is the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Gary. If you're new with us, 
uh, we've been going through as a church the book of Revelation and the closing book of the Bible, and it's been quite a journey. And I don't know if you've noticed, I think one thing um, that you've, if you've been following the series with us, the one thing that I think has kind of struck us and has surprised us is just how much of the book is actually about mission and evangelism and, and being a witness for the Lord Jesus. We talked about martyrs and people just speaking for the Lord and prophesying on behalf of the Lord. And another interesting aspect, I think, that we've, we've been hitting is this vision of people from every nation and tribe and tongue and language coming together. And, and that's the passage from Revelation 7 that we just read. That's one really good example of this idea over and over in Revelation. We see this idea of people uniting around worshiping God. And it's a beautiful image, isn't it? Because we all know the racism and the division that's just racking, not even just Hong Kong, but across the world. And here God is saying in Revelation that actually that's not the last word. History is actually moving in the direction and that one day, everybody, every tribe, every tongue, all of God's people, no matter what, what your socioeconomic background is, no matter what your language is, no matter what your history is, that for those who call on Jesus' name, who worship him, everyone will be united around the throne of, of God. So this is kind of just to show you that Revelation is kind of our framework. And even though today we're not going to be focusing specifically on Revelation as, as our base text, that we're going to see throughout entire history of the Bible that this doesn't just kind of happen out of the blue. It's not just like one day God wakes up and thinks, oh, it's a good idea for me to unite all peoples and for me to eliminate racism. But actually, when we look at, at, at the Bible, all throughout history, God is a God who has loved all nations and all tongues and all tribes and languages. And he's always wanted his people to reflect that as well. And so when we get to today's main passage in Deuteronomy, it's one of the foundational books of the Bible. It's one of the earliest books of the Bible, right? And we go back to the very establishment of the people of Israel. And so you have the leader, Moses. I think a lot of us know the story. So he's been, he's been raised up to lead the people out of captivity into Egypt. And now Moses is at the end of his, his journey, at the end of his ministry. And he's basically giving a final sort of exhortation, a final call to the people. And this is what Deuteronomy is really all about. And so he's kind of just recapping, giving a, a summary of all that God has done. He's, he's, he's chosen you. He's taken you out of captivity in Egypt. He's, he's performed these terrifying signs and wonders, you know, parting the Red Sea, defeating the Egyptians. He's brought you faithfully through the wilderness, and now you are at the cusp of the promised land. Now you're ready to step in. And so when we get to this chapter, chapter 10 that we just read, this is all kind of wrapped up and, and, and summarized so beautifully. Just read with me again verse 14. It says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. 
This description of God, he is the creator. Everything, the cosmos, the universe belongs to him. Yet, the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples, as you are this day. And let's just fast forward to verse 17. We get this magnificent description of of God. It says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. And so you see, this is kind of God's calling card. This is him describing he is the ultimate creator of the universe. He is just and fair and mighty and awesome. And yet he has chosen this this little insignificant people group in the ancient Near East to be his treasured possession. And Israel hasn't done anything to deserve this favor. It was simply grace of God. And you see that grace isn't just a New Testament idea. It's something that just runs through from the beginning to the end. You know, it's like a couple that adopts a child, an uh, an infant, and what has the infant done to deserve being adopted? What did they do to be so qualified? Nothing, right? They chose, the parents chose to adopt them. The kid didn't earn anything. And so maybe it makes sense why God would remind the people of his greatness and all he's done for him, because God isn't just a loving you know, parent that adopts an orphan, but God is the creator of the cosmos. And he knows what is best for the people is for them to recognize that and to worship him. But here's where it gets a little, well, it's been interesting so far, but this is where it gets more interesting, I think. Because immediately after verse 17, we get to verse 18. And it says this, God executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, And he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. And after all this majestic language about God's awesomeness and him being the creator and how he's chose you to Israel to be his treasured possession, he kind of just talks about his sort of particular care for a few types of people. And I think that's cause for us to take us to maybe pause here because maybe this is important to God. And when you read through the entire Bible, you'll actually realize that this isn't sort of a one-off anomaly. Deuteronomy 10.18 is not an isolated incident. And these three groups of people are mentioned over and over and over again. It talks about the, the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, and also those who are generally poor. And I think most of us can imagine, I think instinctively, okay, I can understand maybe why widows and, and, and orphans, they deserve special attention. But, but what about sojourners? What's that all about? I, I don't even use that word ever. When's the last time you said sojourner before today, right? I didn't even really know what it meant until I looked it up in the dictionary. And and so what is this? so we're going to spend the rest of this time really zeroing in on this, this word because if if Deuteronomy 10:18 is really what it says then we need to know what a sojourner is. 
We need to know why this is close to God's heart and what it has to do with you and me today. So let's, let's dig in a little deeper on this idea. So in ancient times, a sojourner was basically someone who lived in a different nation. And you can think of a sojourner as someone who's a non-citizen. So someone without the full rights, the full standing that a citizen of a nation would have. But in the ancient Near East, more or less nations were, were pretty much consolidated on ethnic groups. So if you were a, a sojourner, you were very much a foreigner. You know, it's not like an immigrant country like Canada, where it's like a melting pot of nations and, and, and ethnicities already. And so if that's the case, if, it's, if you're so foreign, why would a sojourner be a sojourner? Why would you go there? And I think you can imagine there, there are a bunch of reasons. They could be escaping uh, war and famine. Uh, maybe some of them were just drawn to the people of Israel. They were drawn to the God of Israel. But you can perhaps imagine if you're just a sojourner in this foreign land with people who are so different from you, how sort of ostracized you might feel, how different you might feel. Some of you guys perhaps have experienced a bit of that already. But it's not only that, because more importantly, as a sojourner in biblical times, you would be very vulnerable from an economic standpoint. So it's not just the social things, it's not just your cultural sort of comfort, but as in from a financial and economic standpoint, you would be vulnerable. Because as a sojourner, in these ancient times, you would have no land rights. And that's important because in an agrarian society, land is food, and food is your livelihood, right? Food is your life. And so maybe you can see why the, also the same thing applied to widows and the fatherless, because the land rights were attached to the father, to the husband. If the father died and you had a widower and you had the fatherless, they would lose their livelihood. They would lose their right to the land in that culture. So the point I'm trying to make here is, is that God didn't just kind of pick three random categories of people. Is that in this society, there was very specific reasons why he wants to execute justice for the fatherless and why he loves the widow and the sojourner. What he's essentially saying is that I have a special concern for the most vulnerable in society. I have a special concern for the most vulnerable in society. And so Deuteronomy 10 basically sums up who God is. It's fantastic. This one passage, God is the one true God, the creator of the universe, the God who loves his people, who loves his treasured possession and wants them to worship him. But he's also specifically the God who loves and cares for the most vulnerable in society. And so in light of this, in light of this, Moses explains to the people, he challenges them, and this is what the adequate response to this God is. You've seen who God is. He's shown you who he is. This is how we should respond. Let's, let's read verse 12 together. You should fear the Lord your God. Seeing all these wonders and miracles, fear him. He's not just your dad. He's not just your heavenly father. He's the king of kings. Walk in all his ways. Love him. Serve the Lord 
your God with all your heart and with all your soul and keep the commandments, keep the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. And then verse 19, he commands, love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So if if the people of Israel truly received God's love, they truly saw him for who he really was, they would love him in response. And that would necessarily include caring about what God cares about. So the blunt truth that is presented before Israel right now is that they could not say, if I was an Israelite, I could not say that I know God yet at the same time ignore the needs of the orphan, the widow, the sojourner. You know, this wasn't like a charitable um, bonus at the end of the year, you know, where you get your, your charity in. You know, there were no tax receipts in ancient Israel. This was simply about hearing God, seeing him, and emulating him, following him, obeying him. And that's why you have over and over again, as you know the story of the Bible, when Israel falls, when Israel is disobedient, you know, God challenges them. He's like, I hate your, if you read Isaiah, I've just been reminded of this this week. You read Isaiah 1, God is saying, I hate your worship. I despise it. You can sing all the songs to me you want. You can give me all the money you want. You can pray all you want. You can write the most beautiful sermon that you want. But if you don't love the downtrodden, if you don't love the poor, I hate your worship. It's meaningless to me. I despise it. Some serious language there. Now, as a Hong Konger in the 21st century, I think it's easy for us to kind of distance ourselves from Israel, ancient Israel, and you know, all the Old Testament laws, they seem irrelevant or distant. And it is true we got to be careful that we don't just take Old Testament things that are written thousands of years ago for a different culture and just kind of like plop them into our context because it is different. So we always have to look when we read the Bible, look for what is actually timeless. What is it that really is about God's character and who he is? What is he commanding us that is timeless? And I think when we look at Deuteronomy 10, we see this description of who God is what he's done, his love for people, his love for the vulnerable. And those things, I believe, are entirely unchanging. And so when I think about that and when I look, about, look at our city today, I think we can see, even in our church, modern-day sojourners. The context is different, right? But I think the vulnerabilities are very much the same in essence. And... Obviously, Hong Kong is a place of foreigners and, 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 you know, expats, right? I think a lot of you guys fit in that category. And a lot of people don't have PR, permanent residency status here. But I don't think the, the sort of, there's a lot of nuance here. I don't think if you're an expat in a typical sense, like you've come here as an f- banker from UK, I don't think you're, you technically fit in the sojourner category that the Bibles talk about. You know, we really do come from a place of privilege if you're a typical expat. Not all of you, but just generally. You know, you've come from a place of wealth. You come here with a fantastic job. You know, you're esteemed as a wonderful white person. 
You know, I can say that because my wife is white and I esteem her greatly. And let's be honest, right? You know, there's a little bit of that here. And, and, you, and more importantly, you have a clear path to permanent residency, right? Seven years and, and you're good to go. And so I don't think we're necessarily talking about you, even though I love you as an expat. Um, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we do have refugees and asylum seekers, and that's a whole other issue. And we definitely, as a church, need to be thinking about them and thinking about what our city is doing for these people. But today is Helper's Appreciation Day, and I believe God wants us to really consider the foreign domestic helpers in our midst as sojourners in a biblical sense. And so, did you know, I was just looking this up and and kind of doing some research, that 10% of the working population in Hong Kong are actually foreign domestic helpers. That comes up to about 400,000 helpers, and some have been working here for decades. You know, some have been helpers here longer than some of you have been born. It's pretty amazing, right? But let's be honest, Right? In, in many ways, they are treated as sojourners. In this hierarchical society, they are seen as different. They are treated as different. Whether, even, whether it's said or unsaid, that's the reality. And I'm not just talking about the racism or the prejudice or, or just, the, you know, just the abuse even that happens verbally and physically. I'm not talk, just talking about that. We know that happens. Just read the news. Just Google it. But I'm talking about legally, as, as a domestic helper, you are, are literally treated as a different class of people in Hong Kong. Some of you know this, but if you don't, let me just kind of refresh you. Six years ago, the Court of Final Appeal ruled definitively that if you are a foreign domestic helper, you, have, you will never have the right of abode in Hong Kong. You could stay here for 70 years if you want, but you can never become a PR. And that was the, the policy of the government all along. That was the, the structure that was set up. But it's a little different when you have it written, pretty much set in stone by the highest court of the land, that you will never become one of us. You're a different class, literally. And now there's a lot of other little things, and we can go into that. But I think another one that obviously speaks to us is money. And, as a, and foreign domestic helpers, they have a literally a different minimum wage as everybody else in Hong Kong. And unfortunately, it's not higher, it's lower. And so that just also, I think, speaks that it's, there's a difference here, and there's an obvious socioeconomic vulnerability there. But there's a one big one, I think, that really also underscores is the fact that Foreign domestic helpers, their legal status is completely based on the employer that recruits them, that brings them over. So, you know, if anything happens, if, if the contract is terminated, they need to leave in, in two weeks. I think a lot of you guys know that already. And so you have an entire system where, where these helpers, these sojourners come in, and they're completely at the mercy of their employer, And in this entire system from recruiting to agencies and, you know, all the the lending and and the sort of the loan sharks that happen there and just even their dependence on on their employer, I think this entire system just breeds a sense of vulnerability for them. 
that they are very, very, um, I guess, in a place of vulnerability. They're at the mercy, and they're so vulnerable to being taken advantage of, right? And I don't, I've said a fair bit about that, and I don't, I don't think we need to hear any more from, like, a middle-class Chinese-Canadian man. So I want to invite Jonah to come up. Jonah, come on up. And Jonah is a, she works as a foreign domestic helper in Hong Kong. But more importantly, Jonah is a, just a beloved sister um, of, of Watermark and the, the FOF community group. Yes, thank you. And yeah, she's just, it's just been so good to see her get involved and serve. And so we're going to hear a bit of Jonah's story today. And just a heads up, this isn't going to be like the worst case scenario of everything that could happen bad to, you know, a helper. This is just Jonah, a sister in Christ. She has a story to tell. She has experience, you know, as a sister in Christ and also as a helper in Hong Kong. And so we just want to hear her story. And we, she's going to tell us about Jesus. Amen? So let's, let me just pray for you really quick, and let's dive in. God, just thank you so much for Jonah and all the ladies who are in the FOF group. Uh, thank you for her. I just pray that you would use her right now, speak through her, uh, humble her heart, show her how beloved she is, and how much of a powerful story that she has simply because the King of Kings loves her and has anointed her to do good works. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jonah, tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us about um, how you ended up in Hong Kong and just your, your background. Oh. Uh. Oh, it's working. Hi, I'm Jonah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I came from Baguio City, the coolest place in Philippines. And um, I, I became a Christian. Um, I became a Christian in Philippines. And um, after that, uh, I moved to Kuwait. I work, I go to Kuwait for a work, just like this, a nanny. And um, my work there is I enjoy a lot. I enjoy my work. Um, I enjoy my work because I travel a lot with my employer. Um, they treat me like um, like as a part of their family because uh, yeah, they treat me like that. But um, uh, unfortunately, I, I was involved with uh, immorality in a godly relationship. So. Um, I decided to go home and ask God forgiveness, ask God for a second chance, and that's why, that's how I ended up in here in Hong Kong. How did you come to know to know Lord the Lord Jesus? How did you became become a Christian? Uh, I became a Christian. And, um, I I came from poor family, and my my parents cannot afford my my tuition fee to go to school, and I was so. Um, I was so angry with my my parents, and I, I I even said that there is no God. If there is God, why why we are poor? Why my my family cannot afford me to go to school? And 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 that with that, um, 
I was so, uh, I invade my, my family because some of my family actually, they are, um, they are rich, they, they, are, they are in the political situation like that, and they are a leader of a Catholic, so something like that. So I really, uh, I feel really bad, and I, I really, um, you know, I, I, I feel useless, useless about my, who I am. And, um, yeah, that's, but uh, one day, uh, some missionaries went into our village and shared the word of God. But many times, I ignored them. I even tore the, the, the what they're giving, and I ignored them. But one day, my sister said, why don't we try? Let's try. Let's go entertain them. So, uh, in short, uh, we, my, me and my sister go, and we entertain them, but... Um, the time that's the time I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But the time that I accept my Lord and Savior, my family rejected me. <laughs> they even said, "Oh, uh, because they believe that Catholic is um, uh, is the best religion, something like that. They are the one who is saved. They are the one who is true." And so my family uh, rejected me, and they even said, "You better." you better go and change your family name. And I remember the last word of my grandmother. She told me, if you'll not go back as a Catholic, you better change your family name. So that's, that's yeah, wow. that's how I became a Catholic. Wow. So how, what happened afterwards when you kind of, uh, as you grew as a Christian, as you found out more about what what you know who god is how did how did that change you yeah um yeah and actually yeah i continue i continue as a believer and um in my place um i i lead a worship leader in 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 our church and um yeah that's uh I, i continue i fight for the faith but um, due to some circumstance that happened in the church, I feel like, um, you know, uh, dry and uh, sometimes there, there are, um, it's because the, something happened in the church that I trust a lot. The pastor is standing in front. And um, uh, one day, uh, uh, the pastor is trying to rape me, and that's the time I feel so down. Where, where, where will I gonna go now? My family rejected me, and the pastor, and the, all my tries, and they, they're trying. Why God? Um, so all of my uh, walk with God is um, now is uh, before is questioning God why He allowed that to happen. Yet He knows that I want to serve Him for the rest of His life, uh, for of my life, something like that. Mm. So yeah, yeah that's sorry. Um, that's that's crazy. That's tough. How, so you went to Kuwait, and it was it was hard. You're spiritually, you felt dry, and you, but you also knew you were living kind of. Um, you said you were living sort of immorally, um, and you're asking God for a second chance. Um, how did how did that how did that I guess unfold? How did He end up giving you a second chance? Yeah. Um, I, I prayed and I asked forgiveness for a second chance and I tell please give me another chance and so um, that's why um, I tried to apply for another job again and so um, I came here in Hong Kong 
and that's the time I um, when yeah that's the time I came here in Hong Kong and my sister invited me to a church and um, there um, in a Pentecostal church so I I continued my work with God again there mm. and I guess wanted you to talk a little bit about you just coming into Hong Kong as a helper. Um, what was that experience like? What was what? What were the challenges? What were the struggles? Um, the first the first time uh, I came here in Hong Kong, my first employer, I struggled a lot uh, because uh, she's she's so mean to me, I and mean, she's so strict in everything. I'm not allowed to use mobile, and I'm not. Um, if she asked me to go in a store in 30 minutes, you must be home. Like that says so strict and everything. And I'm not allowed to talk to other nannies. And um, she treat me like, um, she treat me just like uh, lower than them. You, you know, you're just a nanny, something like that. You're just a nanny, so. <laughs> so. Um, you're just a nanny. Yeah. Right. And um, she treated me. I was, uh, it, it was really a struggle for me because I came from, uh, I, I compare the one, I, I came from Kuwait and my work there is, um, you know, we eat together with my employer, you know, it's because in Kuwait, if they eat together, they put it in one plate and all of us will eat together by hand. And, and yet why, when I came here in Hong Kong, it, that struggled me also, eating by hand is the same I'm sorry, <laughs> it's dirty, something like that. But so I compare the 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 place that I came in in Kuwait. That I be, I I came from a rich family. I have my own room. Uh, I have everything, the food, and they treat you a lot. I they 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 treat me like a part of their family, and yet they are they you know they are rich family, mm-hmm. and so I become boastful and I become a little bit. Um, Comparing, uh, co- I, I compare uh, my past work to, to them. So um, mm. that's, uh, I, I started answering her back like that. Mm. I became, if she's harsh, I became harsh also sometimes. Mm. But I found that it's, it's, not, it's not good. And, um, um, how did you find that? How did, how did God sustain you? To respond to your harsh employer. Yeah, the, the harsh employer. So I just, I just, um, I just prayed and cried out to God. I said, Lord, um, forgive me for doing this because it's. I I know it's, it's really hard to deal. Also because uh, I have if if I if I do uh, something that she asked me and my employer my my mom will goes to work and Papa will come. She will tell me, and say, come on, come on, come on. So I don't know which one whom I will, I, I will um, obey if my, really my employer. So when my employer will come home, why, why didn't you do what I said? Something, mm. I, because, so I don't know. I don't really know. So uh, what I did is I really prayed God. And, but through that situation, um, yeah, God teach me how to humble and understand them. And through uh, attending also the church and, and um, yeah, and also that before is I'm not allowed to read the Bible. <laughs> so what I did and because she 
she doesn't want me to switch on the light during nighttime. So what I did is I bought a flashlight. So I just flashlight the, the Bible mm. <laughs> while reading. So that's that's how. And, and God spoke to you through that yeah, through to that, just learn how to love even to love, a harsh employer. And God reminded me also that of my sin, my past sin, that, mm. yeah, we are all sinners. We all have weaknesses. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's the time. Oh. Let's take, I guess, talked about your struggle with just coming to Hong Kong and working here and the society here and the harshness. What's your experience been in, in becoming part of a church here? I know you've been in Watermark for a couple years now. Um, so we're all family here. You can be honest. Um, I don't know. I don't know all that. I don't know everything she's going to say. So, if, but just yeah. What was your experience coming to a to church that isn't you know all Filipino that we don't all speak Tagalog or or you know it's not all sort of uniform. It's quite multicultural. How, what was your experience kind of being a part of Watermark and how did you come? What was your experience? What was the struggles? We want to hear from you. Um. Yeah, uh, I've been attending Watermark for around two and a half years now. And uh, the first time I came here is, um, uh, honestly, uh, I feel I feel shy and I feel that, um, I feel like, I feel insecure coming here because I saw that, oh, they are all employer, maybe. <laughs> they will see me also as a nanny. They will look me down as a nanny. <laughs> So those are some thoughts that came into my mind. And so I feel really insecure. For good um, reason, though, right? Because that's what you experienced yeah. outside, right? So. Yeah. The, the, maybe it's because of my um, yeah. past, something like that. So I, I that's, and um, I'm a little bit shy type. And so, um, I, but I think God, um, I have a mouthpiece before I came here, a sister Janet is my mouthpiece. Every time they ask, um, she's the one who speak for me. <laughs> so good job, Janet. Yeah, um, because yeah, and um, I really feel I feel like I'm in love in this church. But what I love about the church is that the teaching, the teaching. I I really love. Um, the teaching of, of, of the watermark, um, yeah, but um, but through that, uh, through that, um, the time that um, there was a time that Janet went home to Philippines, and um, I'm alone in the church. So, so what now, Jonah? You're alone. <laughs> so I need to. Um, I need to stand up and I pray to God that God will help me and deliver me from my uh, insecurities. And so uh, through hearing the word of God and uh, through, um, um, through, you know, Sister Rhoda, Sister Christine, and every, all, all of you, it encouraged, and so, and also you, you encouraged um, through you that, um, I was encouraged, and that's the time I feel love and I feel secure here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, through through the word of God, and um, I was delivered to my struggle through 
also my personal study, my um, reading the Bible and um, my devotion. So that's how I grow and overcome the shyness. And I, I'm a little bit shy, but until now, I need to overcome because I used to, when greeting times, I, I just sitting down there and whoever wants to greet me, then mm. <laughs> if nobody will greet me, then it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean that's a lot, a lot of a, a lot how a lot of us feel, right? And you're just kind of like afraid, and yeah. What is it about the Word of God? What just quickly? What What is the Word of God that you heard that was so or you read that really kind of gave you confidence? You don't have to cite anything, um, just in general. Uh, what I heard is that God is a God who loves us equally. Yeah. Um, yeah, who loves us equally, no matter how. Yeah. You know, um, that's what I heard. That um, he's not looking at our position or our mm. no matter how higher you are, and mm. yeah, that um, yeah, that's good. That, and we just read that today, right? God is he's a God of just. He's just. He just, shows yeah. no no partiality, mm. right? Um, we'll give you one final word here, very importantly. What would you want? Just what would you want? Like the church. To, to hear in terms than to know about uh, as just you here as a rep, you're, as a representative of, of domestic helpers what would you want the church to to know and to hear um, I think as brothers and sisters in Christ um, yeah we came here as a sojourner I used to sojourner uh, we sacrifice for our family our loved ones to work here Otherwise, uh, to, because we need uh, financial support from our family, otherwise we are not here. So I think um, we need to, uh, we deserve to be loved and respected. Yeah, and because as what we have heard a while ago, that God is a God of just, that he, he's just, yeah, that's it. Thank Amen. you. Thank you. Thank you, Jonah. Let's give a round of applause. We love you. You know, thank you, Jonah. Thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone and just letting us into a bit of your heart. And it just sounds like, you know, there's so many struggles, highs and lows, but it's just amazing hearing you talk about God and talk about um, how much you love his word and how much he's changed you. It allows you to see who you are as a broken, someone who's struggled and sinned, but who is loved by your creator. And I think that's beautiful. And as I was thinking about her testimony, you know, I think one thing that the Holy Spirit really convicted me about is that I think I I do need to apologize and say sorry. I think even as a church, many of us need to apologize to the helpers around us. You know, I chatted with a few helpers in the past month and so, or so I just asked them, hey, what's one thing you would want Hong Kongers to, to, to do differently? You know, not, not in general, but just, you know, in relation to you as a helper. And a few answers I got was just, hey, just say please and thank you to us. Um, another one was just honor, honor my one day off a week and, and really honor it, you know. Don't sneak things in there. Uh, and third, just talk to us like, like normal people and get to know us. And I think that just hit me because it's just like I know I fail to reach out too so often. And, you know, I know in my head, I've been a Christian a long time, I know we're all equal, I know God's impartial, 
But in reality, when push comes to shove, the way I act, you know, I think I'm more often shaped by the, the views outside, you know. And if I'm brutally honest, you know, sometimes helpers, I'll, I may hold you in less esteem, even if it's subconsciously. Or I may just naturally gravitate to someone who's more similar to me or, 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 or speaks like me more or is, more, or is educated in a similar, similar way as me. And I'll just gravitate towards them more. And I'll hold them in higher esteem, and, and, I, and we know that that's not right. That's not who God is. And I know that we can do better, and we can change by the grace of God. So we, I just really feel like we also need to apologize to you as, as a church, as a people. And we really need to work on this by God's grace. And the interesting thing about our failure, though, what gave me comfort as, as I was thinking about this, is that God isn't surprised by anything. You know, if you look back at the passage, let's take a look at verse 16. God says, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. It's very graphic, isn't it? And this idea of circumcising your own heart is really just a picture that you need a radical heart change. You need something to come in and just rewire your heart, who you love, how you love. And like all of us, the Israelites were also self-centered people, and they needed God's love to do that. So that's why God says to them, love the sojourner, for you were sojourners in Egypt. I brought you out of Egypt. Remember me, the one who brought you out of captivity. In church, when you start reading the rest of the Bible, you begin to see something very interesting, is that the Bible writers start using the word sojourner, not just literally, but spiritually, to describe the spiritual condition of all people. Sometimes you'll see it translated as a stranger or foreigner or alien But the meaning is essentially the same. It's that we are all sojourners separated from God's kingdom. And this this morning, whether you're a Christian or not, I think we do wrestle with being sojourners in Hong Kong, right? Some of you guys are, are literally trying to become citizens of another country through immigration and investment but a lot of us are, are sojourners in, in a social sense. We feel like sojourners in our companies, in our families even. We feel like we're outsiders, we're strangers. Some of us feel like we're sojourners like in terms of our finances, our salaries, our job title, our education level. You know, that we always need to go somewhere else to be happy. We're not there yet. And we spend our entire lives striving to become citizens of something. Some of us are just so gripped, we feel like sojourners in the, in, in the life of romance and relationships. And we just need to get to that promised land. And then I'll be happy. Then I'll be home. And there's always another place to sojourn to. And what we don't see is that heaven is our true home. That adoption into God's family is what we truly need. And so we end up being sojourners in the world, in our sin. And we are separated from God and there's no path to citizenship. It's not just seven years. The door is closed. 
But this is the beautiful passage. Then you get to the New Testament. God says this in Ephesians 2. Let's really, let's really sink this into our hearts. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then you are no longer strangers, you are no longer aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Isn't that amazing? We are sojourners. We were strangers. But now we are sons and daughters of the God Most High. So this morning, whether you are a Fortune 500 CEO or a helper or a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor or a student, whatever you are, the Bible is saying, God is saying, your greatest need is for Jesus to change you from being a sojourner to a child of God. And we believe that this is the only place to be a child of God, a son and daughter of the king. It's the only place that you will be fully known for everything you've done, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You'll be fully known, but you'll also be fully unconditionally loved. You won't find that anywhere, I believe. It's the only place where God can change your heart and turn you from a self-centered person to a loving person. It's the only place where you'll be forgiven for every hurt you have ever caused and that you can heal from every hurt that you've ever received. It's the only place you can be certain for life after death. And so when you're so full of God's love, that will naturally change how you live. And so for some of us today, I think we, we need to just recognize that for the, maybe the first time that I am a sojourner and I've been searching all my life to be at home and God is saying, welcome home. I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to call you son and daughter. Come home. And for those of us who are professing to be following Jesus, I think we just need to continue meditating on these verses again. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. Can we put that up on the screen there? Let's really, the next one. Yeah. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. He's not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. God has revealed who he is, what he cares about. And so if we call him God, if we call him Father, we need to know what his heart is about. And what we're really saying here is that the way you treat sojourners is a sign, is a litmus test even, of whether God's love is alive in your heart. The God of sojourners, if we worship him, if we seek him, if we follow him, we too must be a people who love sojourners. And if you're just full of love right now and you don't know how to love the sojourner, take a look at the bulletin. There's some thoughts there. Better yet, chat with Jonah or Janet or any of the helpers you know 
Get to know them. Get to know their hopes and dreams. Find, talk to them just like you would talk to anybody. See how you can love them well. God says, love the sojourner. For you and I, we were sojourners in the world. You were slaves to your sin. But God rescued you. He brought you out of captivity and into his family. So let's be a God. Let's be a people of sojourners because we worship a God of sojourners. Let's pray. Father, we know this is hard. We know that intrinsically we fear the other. We fear those who are different. We fear those who act and speak differently from us, God, but we know that you love the sojourner, God. So this morning we, we, we humble ourselves, we stand before the God of sojourners and say, Lord, would you open our eyes? Lord, help us to see our own condition, how you brought us into your family, Lord. We were sojourners, God, so Lord, help us to love the sojourners whom you love so dearly. Lord, let the scales of prejudice and fear of the other, let them just fall away. We need you, Holy Spirit, to do a miraculous work in us. We need your love to fill us, God, because we know we can't do it ourselves. So we just open our hands, our hearts to you this day. Lord, would you change us? Would you change us? In Jesus' name.